Greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Program. Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Steadfast and Law program. And this is kind of part two of us talking to men who have been in the United States military and suffered the consequences of refusing to take what I've said many times before was an illegal, immoral, unconstitutional, and unethical order, this whole mandate of the COVID shot. Now, I don't call it a vaccine because a vaccine is supposed to eradicate a disease. This is just a virus. And I think it's so important that we have this discussion right now because, you know, again, Senator Tommy Tuberville standing in the way of these general officer advancements and promotions and everyone's beating him about the head and shoulders that he's, you know, deterring military readiness. We can get along without a bunch of three or four star generals, but we really do need those men and women that are at the tip of the spear. And we're going to talk to a couple of those gentlemen right now because no one was saying anything about readiness when this order came down and we put tens of thousands of our great warriors out of the service. I think that's more detrimental to readiness than having a bunch of three and four star generals promoted. So first and foremost, we have Commander Robert A. Green, United States Navy. He has become one of the Navy's most vocal figures in the fight against the unlawful implementation of the military COVID-19 vaccine mandate. He was banned from his building and fired from his position, leading a 650-person unit, and he is the author of numerous impactful internal Navy complaints, multiple whistleblower reports to Congress, and a key source of evidence for ongoing federal court cases related to the military vaccine mandate. He is also the author of a book, Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines, a story of hope for those who love liberty. I was honored to be able to endorse that book. We also have with us United States Army Captain John Frankman. John Frankman was a captain in the Army who served as a Green Beret assigned to the 7th Special Forces Group. On July the 1st, he voluntarily separated from active duty after eight years due to difficulties surrounding the COVID-19 vaccination. After serving as an infantry officer, he was selected to attend the Special Forces Qualification Course. We call that an Army, the Q course, where he also completed SEERS course, the Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape School, and completed the Military Free Fall course. Of all of his military accomplishments, he considers refusing the immoral and illegal COVID vaccine his proudest moment. He is currently completing his Master of Arts in Systematic Theology because before he came on active duty, he spent four years in the Catholic Seminary studying for the Archdiocese of Washington. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here on the Steadfast and Lowell program. Honored to be here. Thank you so much. Hey, Commander, let's start out with you. Tell us about what you saw, your experience when this COVID mandate came down, this vaccine mandate. 
What was going through your mind? What, what made you stand up and take the position that you did? Well, for me, it started with an unlawful order. Now, you read most of uh, the bad things that I had to endure. Um, you'll hear a lot more from John. Uh, but for me, it began with an unlawful order. I was ordered by then Fleet Forces Commander Admiral Christopher Grady uh, to not attend indoor religious services. Uh, it violated my constitutional rights. Um, I was given that order in writing. Uh, and um, what I did was I refused to sign the order as it, as, as it was written. And I chose instead to, to line it out and just said, I acknowledge this order. Um, Admiral Christopher Grady is now the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And, uh, and so, you know, it, when uh, General Milley retires, uh, it is likely that he is going to be the one uh, leading uh, our armed forces. And so what was the, the, the ramification? What immediately did this admiral do uh, based upon your saying, I acknowledge it, but I am not going to participate in this illegal order? Well, luckily, there were good leaders at different levels, much, you know, much further below the four-star level, uh, that refused to endorse uh, and refused to enforce some of these unlawful orders. I, and I highlighted in my book that I'm, I'm so grateful that, uh, for your endorsement. But I highlighted in my book one admiral who took a very positive approach, um, Admiral Meyer. He just recently retired a few weeks ago. He was the, uh, in, in charge of Airland for the Navy, two-star admiral. He got all of his uh, senior leaders together and said, I am not going to enforce this order uh, for, for you know, banning people from attending indoor religious services. So there were some good leaders. I was lucky to have a few above me that did not enforce uh, that order. Um, but unfortunately for so many others, uh, their leadership chose to be very aggressive um, particularly the Marine Corps, they were very fast to go after those who turned in religious accommodations for the vaccine mandate. Um, we ended up with 8,400 service members discharged and so many more uh, that voluntarily chose to leave because the values of the services no longer aligned with their values and with American values. Hey, Captain Frankman, John, let's talk about this. I mean, here you are, the epitome of an Army warrior. I mean, Green Beret, uh, you know, a member of an operational detachment. What was it like for you to, to face this decision and be told about this mandate? And what were the ramifications that you got? I mean, did you take the vaccine and what were the results of having that done? Right. So I never received the vaccine. I was a team leader in January of 21 when the shot became available. And I soon saw that I was the only officer in my company who didn't voluntarily sign up to get the shot immediately. And I just issued the military guidance, which was that I neither I told my subordinates that I would neither punish or reward them based on whether they got the shot and that I personally didn't want to get it. And I didn't want to get it at first because I heard about the aborted fetal cells that were used in both the testing and the production of all available COVID jabs. And our team got kind of signaled out because all of my guys, 10 of 12 of us, decided not to get the shot until at least the mandate came out. So my Sergeant my Sar Major, he harassed my team sergeant a lot. Uh, I was told by the team sergeant as, or by the Sergeant Major as well that I was ruining my career. I should look for work outside the military, that if my team lost a mission based on our vaccination status that he would kick guys out of the team, send us to unwanted assignments, and that wasn't a threat, that it was a promise. Uh, I also lost out on deployments. My team was supposed to have a JSET, a Joint Combined Exchange Training trip, 
to a Central American country, but because my team wasn't vaccinated, and this was before the mandate came out to a country that did not require the shot, we were not able to go over to that deployment. So I lost out on deployments. My team time, it got shortened. I was also accepted, ironically, to teach philosophy and ethics at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Hmm. But because when my exemption was pending, I was not able to PCS or move, I wasn't able to go TDY or travel or deploy. And being a Green Beret uh, who can't deploy, your, your career is pretty much Yeah, you're done. done. So, right. but, but when you, did you ever have any symptoms? Did you ever contract uh, COVID-19 yourself? Right. I did get COVID before. And one thing that I submitted to my leadership, a lot of us went to LabCorp to get our blood work done to show and prove antibodies because the military's medical guidance before this was that if you can show that you've already had the disease or that you can show that you've had antibodies, you don't need to have the COVID shot. And COVID, it wasn't that bad for me. It was just a bad, bad flu. Yeah. Um, nothing bad. Yeah, because, I mean, you're a pretty healthy guy. And, and when we go back and we look at all the statistics, I mean, there were people with certain comorbidities, you know, obesity, uh, heart issues, uh, I mean, over a certain age, uh, high blood pressure, uh, those type of things added to the detrimental effects of COVID. But when I think about a United States Army Special Operations, you know, soldier, sailor, airmen, marines, or I don't think that they're going to be the type that are going to adversely be affected by this. But yet I did hear about a lot of our warriors having issues with the myocarditis who did take the shot. Did, did you get any of that uh, information? Did you see any of that yourself? I've had a number of service members come up to me and tell me about different symptoms that they've had since getting the shot. Uh, guys who usually aren't sick, getting sick a lot more frequently, um, having different kind of rashes or things such as that. And there has been a spike in myocarditis, and a lot of that, that military database information is being hidden, so we can't fully discover it. But with weird people, weird occasions where people are, will die at maybe the combat dive qualification course or the maritime assessment course or pilots having heart attacks, there really should be an investigation to figure out and get to the bottom of how much these shots are negatively affecting the readiness of the military. Hey, Commander, let's talk about your book, Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines, A Story of Hope for Those Who Love Liberty. Kind of give the audience an understanding of what is the purpose, what's the intent, what's the message you want your book to get across? Well, there's a few important things. Um, first, first of all, the oath to the Constitution is something that most officers do not seem to understand anymore. Uh, the oath is to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. But we think of those domestic threats uh, as something that the police handle, you know, Timothy McVeigh, you know, terrorist attacks. Um, and, and, and those are our threats, surely. Um, and they are domestic in nature and that they are in within our borders. But the problem is those are not the type of new threats that we need to be on the lookout for. The current domestic threat, the one that is um, that that is surely going to bring our country down is institutions trampling individual rights. And so the book highlights throughout that individual rights are the most important thing that we need to defend as service members uh, when we're thinking about domestic threats. So we can be incredibly uh, capable uh, against foreign adversaries and we could still lose our country if we don't uphold the rights of individuals. You know, commander in the Navy is equivalent to lieutenant colonel in other branches, 05 rate level. 
What do you see as the major issue with senior military leadership today? Well, I think you highlight, highlighted it very well in your endorsement of the book. Uh, you mentioned that uh, your father gave you some advice out the door. Always take care of your men yeah. um, when you first joined in, in 1983. And um, that has sadly been lost. Uh, and I'll say, you know, you also mentioned in your endorsement um, that what has happened with COVID is a betrayal. Uh, it's a betrayal of trust. Yeah. And I would say that that betrayal of trust began before COVID. Uh, we spent 20 years in a war without clearly defined strategic objectives. We lost 7,000 troops in that war. No one was held accountable. And throughout that whole time, we always talked about readiness. Oh, we're always ready. We have the highest levels of readiness. Well, fast forward to the withdrawal from that very war, and we lost more lives that were unnecessarily lost because we did not plan. We did not, our leaders did not put the right priorities in place. Um, and oh, by the way, in addition to the loss of those 13 lives that were lost in the withdrawal, we also left $7 billion worth of equipment there. Oh, but that didn't hurt readiness. We're always ready. Highest levels of readiness. Fast forward yeah. to COVID. Yeah. It's 8,400 now. And all of a sudden, 300, you know, maybe 315 flag officers and generals. And now the rhetoric has changed. That's somehow going to destroy readiness. I'm sorry, the American people. That, that is wrong. It's propaganda. It's false. I am actively serving. I'm an 05 in the military. And I can tell you that that is wrong. You know, John, you just brought up something, the VAERS report that talks about the mm -hmm. adverse effects of this shot on the members of our military. How can we do better in getting this story out to the American people about these adverse effects? Because, like I say, it seems that the bureaucracy of the Department of Defense does not want that to be uh, openly discovered or disclosed. We need to just speak out as openly and as often as we can, and we can't be scared of any repercussions because right now we're going against some very large forces. Big Pharma doesn't want us to know just how many people are being negatively affected by, by these shots. And the whole VARA system itself, it undercounts approximately 100 times the amount of people who are actually injured. So we need to continue to speak out, to push this into the mainstream, to have people rethink the way they consider just the whole healthcare system. Um, and what we really should do is we need a congressional inquiry. We need to have congressional hearings, testimony, investigation, and hold people accountable. Uh, make amendments to the National Defense Authorization Act and have a better tracking system to understand just how many service members have been affected by this. And we need to get more teeth and laws to hold these different drug companies effective because having an emergency use authorized drug available for a few years when it's not even that much of an emergency and there are other healthy solutions that are out there that don't hurt you uh, without just having any kind of accountability. Uh, it's, it just doesn't work. You know, it's amazing to me, John, you bring up a great point because I didn't get a shot and, and I got COVID and I had to spend a little time in the hospital because of my blood oxygenation level got a little low. But I, I you know, D3 protocol, you know, other vitamins, um, Vitamin D, uh, you know, there's ivermectin out there. There's hydroxychloroquine out there. There's all type of different things. Why is it that we were only telling folks that there's one protocol that you can have is you get this thing injected into your body uh, or nothing else? We, we don't want to believe, you know, every every previous 
uh, instance, it was, okay, antibodies are a good thing. Now, all of a sudden, antibodies are not a good thing. Is there some underlying intent, nefarious or not, that you felt was operating here? There's so many different levels, and there's a lot of greed involved, and Big Pharma was willing to push this drug that costs a lot of money onto us because there were cheap solutions out there. So they were willing to kill thousands maybe millions of people by not getting them the treatment they needed so that they could push the drug. Furthermore, uh, as a Green Beret, we specialize in unconventional warfare, and that's yeah. activities taken to coerce, disrupt, or overthrow an occupying power or government by use of uh, underground auxiliary um, guerrilla force. And there's, there's psychological operations involved, and this mm -hmm. whole thing feels like a huge unconventional warfare campaign. As a, as a member of a team, I felt as if I was in a SEER scenario, a survival, evasion, resistance, and escape scenario the whole time as a team leader trying to figure out what do I bring up to leadership. But it seems as if we're in that kind of battle where these larger forces are using whatever kind of information, uh, economic influence, political influence to try to kind of subvert and, and push Americans to uh, kind of follow the company line, to fall in line or yeah. to... Um, just get out of the way. And I forgot to mention zinc. That's the other protocol that's out there. Commander, you know, we're already starting to hear the talk about we got another pandemic coming. We, we got to be prepared for this. We got a triple threat. Every time I turn around, you got a triple threat that's out there. Do you think that the military will, will fall for this again? Or once again, do you believe that we have senior level leadership that is going to stand up and say as you said and and as john has said this is illegal it's immoral it's unethical it's unconstitutional i don't think so but i'm hope i'm i hope i'm proved wrong on that uh, our senior leaders have proven time and again that they will circle the wagons protect themselves uh protect uh their career progression that seems to be the highest priority for those at the highest levels in uniform right now um i, I hope they stand up i hope they're willing to put their stars on the table uh, for things that come across that clearly hurt uh, the services. Uh, when we were in the middle of COVID, four-star Admiral Lesher in sworn testimony admitted that there were 7,000 gaps at sea and a 4,000 uh, person, uh, you know, that there were 4,000 people they were going to kick out was going to harm readiness. Well, that 7,000 gaps in operational bullets at sea has ballooned now to 18,000 and it continues to grow. So, I hope that they wake up. I hope they realize that this is a crisis of recruiting and retention of their own making and holding themselves accountable first is the only thing that's going to start us on the road to repairing the trust with service members and the American people. Now, I want you to reiterate the point that you just made, because I've often shared with people that right now the, the Chinese maritime fleet, their surface fleet is outpacing our naval surface fleet. Uh, we know that we don't have enough amphibious uh, assault craft for our United States shipping, for our United States Marines. But you just said that we have gone from 7,000 gapped billets, and that means positions, to 18,000 gapped positions in our operational naval fleet. Did I hear you correct? That's, that's absolutely correct. It's at uh, 18,000, and it continues to climb, and we're missing recruiting targets. And how many journal officer positions are being held up by Senator Tommy Tuberville? Uh, a report I saw the other day was 315. Okay, folks, let me tell you something. I'm not a real smart guy, 
I used to jump out of airplanes, but I think 18,000 is a bigger number than 315. I think we need to be filling those 18,000 billet for sailors instead of worrying about 315, three and four star generals that are just going to be left to suck ups. I'm gonna be very honest to this administration. John, let me come back to you. What has been the detriment that you have seen to our special operations forces? Yeah, so I think with the special operations forces, it's kind of made us more like the regular army, more yes men. And when I was becoming a Green Beret, my understanding was that we're critical thinkers, mm -hmm. that if we're asked to do something, we, we ask why. We might not even question whether we should be doing it or not. And what I think it's done to the officer corps especially, and the problem is that we're extremely competitive. So trying to get those most highly qualified slots, the, the better officer evaluation reports, is that I think it's continued to kind of make it more political, where folks are going to continue to try to do what they need to do to, to climb the rank and get rid of what makes special forces so special, which is the critical thinking. I want you to share with people, and, and I'm not busting on like Navy SEALs or whomever, but what is the cycle? How long does it take to make a United States Army Green Beret? It took me two years to get through the Special Forces Qualification course. Um, so about a year of training, six months of, of language school, uh, military free-for-all course was a few weeks. So it, it's a lot. It's a lot of training. And your, language, your language course also? Right, language course as well, yes. So ladies and gentlemen, here's a young man, a captain, it took him two years to earn that coveted Green Beret. You just can't fill that in overnight. And as Commander Green just talked about, we went from 7,000 gap positions in our naval operational fleet to 18,000 gap positions. And I'm sure we can see the exact same thing that is happening in our special operations forces. But again, two years to make an elite Green Beret warrior. That does not get rectified overnight. So I want to let you guys have the last word. I'll go to you, John, first, and then over to Commander Green. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, uh, having us, allowing us to share our story. And I would just encourage everyone, if these mandates come out again, um, just to say no, that the more space, the more room that you give up, the more that is just going to continue to be taken. Um, this was illegal. It was immoral. It's medically unsafe. And as we continue to see that space taken from us, uh, the way to fight back, you are in control of yourself. You're called to fidelity, uh, trust in God. He's going to win in the end. Um, so just continue to have faith, live by your patriotic values, say those things that people don't want you to say. And I, I guarantee you somebody else agrees with you. So stay strong and fight. You know, there's a saying from West Point that it is always best to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And I think that that's what our senior military leaders need to understand. All right, Commander, last word. Yeah, I would uh, ask that all officers in the service very carefully screen the orders that you receive and the ones you promulgate. You have to make sure that they do two things. They must follow the law and they must not violate the constitutional rights of those in your charge. Those are the two things you have to screen for. And I know it's a dark time right now. Uh, we have a lot of things going on. There's a lot of agendas being pushed. Uh, but I'd remind everybody that there is great hope. Uh, it's in each other. It's in God. Uh, focus on that first uh, and let the chips fall where they may. U.S. Army Captain Green Beret John Frankman, United States Navy Commander Robert Green, 
thank you all so very much for the service, sacrifice, commitment you have given to this country and for being with us here on the Steadfast and Loyal Program. God bless you both. God bless. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Program. A big shout out and special thanks to United States Army Captain Green Beret John Franklin and also United States Navy Commander Robert A. Green Jr. And please go out and pick up Robert Green's book, Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines, A Story of Hope for those who love liberty. As always, if you like this program, please click that like button and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.